You're listening to You're United listening. Q Podcast. United Q. We're brought to you by ProQ, Barbecue Gourmet, Kamado Joe, and Smokewood Shack, our awesome sponsors. ProQ provide quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. And you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. Barbecue Gourmet, supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning rubs, sauces, marinades, and accessories from the US and around the world. You can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. Kamado Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation. From smoking, roasting, or searing, get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check out kamadojoe.co.uk plus Facebook and Twitter. I'm Dan and I'm here with my co-host Ben. Hello. On today's show, we've got Niall Davidson. Hi Niall, are you alright? How's it going? Not too bad. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, I was saying to Dan the other day, I was like, it's Niall Davidson, he keeps cropping up all over the place. He's doing loads of awesome things. We need to get him on the show and have a chat. So here you are. Cool. Well, <laughs> thank you very much for inviting me down. No worries. Um, do you want to just start off by introducing yourself and give us a little bit of background about you? Yeah, by all means. Uh, my name is Niall Davidson. I uh, originally am a, a farmer from Ireland. moved to London when I was 20, nearly 10 years ago. How time flies. Uh, as a butcher. Uh, pretty obsessed with meat and uh, then became a chef about nine years ago, and I've now spent about nine years sort of working around different restaurants uh, in London and around the world, from everything from bigger things, uh, live wood fire to fine dining to this and that, but really the ultimate aim was to one day kind of settle down, open up a proper restaurant that cooked good food, and own a butcher shop that uh, supplies good meat and uh, hopefully nearly there on both <laughs> so yeah yeah i'm sure we'll get onto it but you're you're well on your way to that journey to be in there yeah <laughs> yeah well it's taken a few bit, bit up it's taken a bit of work and uh really had a, over the years had a uh like it's kind of been i've been lucky enough to work with some chefs that i really really admire and i've learned a lot from and uh yeah, with the live wood fire, like the likes of like Dave Pint at uh, Burnt Ends. Uh, worked with him when he was uh, he was over in London and just working with guys like that is really uh, really fascinating. You, you learn a lot. So uh, so yeah, so it's always good to happy for you to invite me on and chat about it. Yeah, definitely. So am I right? So when you were, when you first came to London, um, you did a stint working as a butcher in Harrods, didn't you? Yeah, not in Harrods. It was well, I tell you what, I left school when I was about 17, uh, didn't follow the path of education to the dismay of my mother, <laughs> uh, but my family have a butcher shop in Ireland, so I just went on there as an apprentice, that for about three years, on and off, working on the farm and that, and then came to Selfridges with a butcher called Jack O'Shea, who ran the counter there, and uh, that was my first job in London many, many moons ago. Awesome, and then and then from that you moved on to becoming a chef. Well, yeah, from that it was kind of good because I that's fascinating because in Ireland the butcher, the beef butcher, and the lamb butcher is great, but coming to London the the port you really learn, believe it or not, quite a lot about port butchery, and I was quite blown away by that show. Well, I was actually fascinated by the pork and all the 
remember my first day there was uh, an old preacher called Paul who was actually the one that got me the job who showed me how to break down a pork shoulder with all the, the old square cut and all the, the different cuts from the blade bones and whatnot. And uh, yeah, just an invaluable, invaluable experience. And then really after that, I started to meet some chefs. Uh, and yeah, the next, after being in London about one or two years doing that, I started doing my days off in restaurants. Uh, started with a friend called Fred Smith, who uh, does all the burgers. He does quite a lot of burgers. And I started with him at the Admiral Codrington when he was a chef there. And then on my days off and then went to St. John Bread and Wine, oh, amazing. which was great. Cool. Yeah. A lot of offal? I say quite a lot of offal. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I went there. I actually got a job as a breakfast chef. And, okay, uh, cool. It was, uh, I was like, oh, well, it's like, well I'm not going to say it, but as a breakfast chef, it's like, but you get your foot in the door, you know? Once you're foot in the door, and I really wanted to do it, it was, I had this meal there, and it sort of blew my mind a little bit yeah. back in the day, and uh, just because it was just so super tasty. And, uh, and, uh, on table 21 at Bread and Wine, and then... Well, a lot of day, decent chefs that we've spoken to well. have, have come through uh, St. John, and, and mm. it seems like a great place to have uh, have studied or learnt in, in a restaurant yeah. environment. It seems like there's a lot of people that we speak to have, have done a stint of, of some sort in St. John and, and come through that, that way. Well, yeah, I think you just, honestly, I think you just learn how to cook. You learn how to season stuff properly, how to... I think at bread and I, I, like at bread and wine at that time, uh, Lee Tiering was there, James Lowe was there. There was just this quite ridiculous team of people that have now gone on to do some amazing stuff yeah. uh, in front of house and back of house. And uh, and what I just loved about it was like there wasn't really recipes for anything bar the parfait, <laughs> and it was just cooking to order. Yeah. The menu changed at the time, so you got a you got everything from loads of game, loads of then you had this sort of. The, the St. John stuff that was the the offals and actually learn how to make that, but also learn how to make proper ketchup, tomato sauces, breads. I, I never really went to culinary school, but spending a year and a, or a year and a bit there actually was as good as a start to cooking as a thing as, as a thing you can have. You yeah, know what I mean? Uh, so uh, really wouldn't change that part for the world if I'm honest. And getting to meet some of the friends that I have there now are people that I'm going to work with in the restaurant when we open up. So, uh, lucky boy. Mm, definitely. So what, yeah. what led you to like want to be more of like a live fire style cooking? Well, uh, I'll tell you what happened. I was working uh, in the butchers with Jack O'Shea and he introduced me to a guy called, uh, it was Butters, uh, he owns Ice Cream Union, uh, Alex Fubini. And he, his brother owns Franco, as Franco, Brothers Franco, who owns Natura, so they, two Argentinian brothers, both quite successful. And one of them, and they were importing these barbecues from the barbacoa, the original barbacoas from Argentina. And uh, being a butcher, you have a nice supply of meat. And I was, Jack had just bought one, and I was just kind of blown away by it. And I had this, I had this like a grilled steak, and it was just so, so delicious. And then, so I bought one. Uh, it was four hundred and fifty pounds, and it actually just gave up about two weeks ago. I'm trying to source it. <laughs> it was my best possession, if I'm honest. But really, that just the whole way of cooking, and that like it's proper cooking, it's intuition. You can, you know, and you don't really you cook with your senses. You and uh, so that really started it. And then from then, I I guess once you like once you cook like that, you realise that. It, 
it's, there's just no going back. You know, I mean, whether it's cooking fish or vegetables or baking bread or it's, yeah, there, it's just like nothing for me comes close to doing it. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how the love affair started. Perfect. Yeah, definitely agree with you there. It's a, it's a flavor you can't achieve any other way, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a flavor. It's uh, what I like about it too. When you like go into a kitchen, your your experience with the with the meal starts the moment you open the door up. Whether it's like a bakery that's cooking a live wood fire in the morning and you smell the bread, and the, or it's at night time when you go and like you see the actual process of you see the process of your dinner. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, yeah, super. It's like, yeah, just intoxicating at that point. That was about eight years ago, seven years ago, seven, eight years ago. I really got into it. And also at that time as well, Dave Pint, as I was saying earlier, he was, uh, he was, I was working at Bread and Wine and he was staging there. And he, this is before he started, and before he started Burnt Ends and Clipson's Arch. So he was there and he was starting about doing this and I was doing a pop-up called Beef Cartel at the time which was all about this Highland beef because I was trying to find the best beef and I was kind of and kind of having people like that in your life at that point and then seeing what he was doing with the roasting whole turbots and cooking vegetables and oysters just like blown away (laughs) so uh, so yeah so you you were on a quest you said to find the best beef what was your journey for that? What did you have to do to find the best beef? And have you found it? Ten years ago. Uh, sorry, you cut, uh, you cut out then. Um, sorry, can, can you hear me now? Can yeah, you hear can me? You, yeah, go, did you, can you go back to yeah. like my question? Because it just went yeah. completely dead before it lost you. <laughs> yeah, no worries. So, well, can you hear me now? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we can now, yeah. So I moved to London about ten years ago. And it was just as, I guess at that point in time, like the ginger pig was like the, the, the sort of what now is a sort of regular occurrence for people to ask what breeds your meat, what's it fed on, who farms it, etc. That mm-hmm. was just starting to sort of, and that was a fascinating time to be in London because the ginger pig was just starting. Which is like Jack O'Shea, we're just starting to get busy like this. The Hawksmoor was kind of in Spitalfields, it's starting to expand. Uh, people were really starting to care where their meat come from. But then also at the same time, there was a real thing about like grain finishing, overaging, and really coming from a farming background. And like for me, a lot of it is husbandry, is genetics, is terroir, as much as it is in wine production. And I was kind of like getting to a point where the meat, all the meat that I was tasting was kind of tasting the same. It was tasting, it was overaged. It was finished on grain so it had that same flavor profile and i was like well, i just became a chef I just sort of quit butchery and become a chef and then kind of learned this new skill set of making pickles and like doing this and that and i was like maybe i'll just i'll i'll do a dinner and i or a pop-up and then at 40 Maltby street and i was like and we'll just make it all about the meat but it took about a year to actually find the meat yeah. <laughs> so uh, i didn't didn't really anticipate that <laughs> if i'm honest I get so for we the diners, it's a one hell of an experience, it, but a whole year's gone into the, the build-up to that one event. I, I think yeah. that's a, a bit of a big one. Because yeah. it was funny, because uh, I, I just phoned up, I'd phoned up the Highland Cattle Society and said, I'm after, I want to try some purebred Highland cattle, can you point me in? And they pointed me in the direction of a guy called Ian Mackay on Mull. And I went to see him, and, and the week that I went to see him, there was a steak book 
came out by Mark Scoutzer that I just he farms on Mullen, his dad farms on Perth, but his dad doesn't farm anymore, just he is now. And his dad had named uh in the state book uh no sorry, uh, Mark Scoutzer had named his dad to have the best beef in the world. And I was like, Oh, must be on to something here then yeah. <laughs> So I went so I was chatting to Ian and and Ian Ian lives on the island and uh it's fascinating because there's like four different terroirs. There's no fences. You sort of go there. It's very seasonal. And then what his dad was doing was taking these animals and then bring them down to Sterling and then finishing on that sort of luscious grass. So we we kind of well, what's come to Naira? We have like the two types of finishing, which are amazing. We were just taking animals, the purebreds, the older bullocks off the island, and bring them down and then sort of celebrating them from. Uh, in the St. John ethos of using like we did like dishes with their liver and their heart to coat the booths to tartars to and then trying to use all the produce at the end as well and then uh, and loads of whiskey <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so yeah so that was and and I guess that's just evolved over the years now to we have Ian on mole we have a couple of hundred hectares on mole where we put the old bullocks and then we have our finishing farm in Sterling where we where we take more of the heifers and we bring them down onto Sterling. So you have the kind of two flavor profiles. You have the the one on Mole, which is quite strong, quite intense. And then the one in Sterling, still pretty beefy, but a little bit more mellower. And that was, uh, and the way we finish in Sterling, that's just the way that's, it's kind of the way that's just been done forever. It sounds like we're just on to like the perfect combination. I mean, mm. from you originating with a farming background, and then going into butchery, yeah. and then going into cooking, and then the being on this get it right big adventure, <laughs> and now it just sounds like it's just going to be what what you're doing, or what's coming up. We're going to move on to the restaurant later on, but it just sounds like it's going to be epic with so much care going into every single well, element of everything. Well, I guess that's yeah. Like honestly, I have this. I've never really done this before. Chat about it. You know what I mean? I guess. Uh, it's been a bit of like 10 years in the making. Like I moved to a farm when I was nine and I sort of got onto it. But really, you can have all these farmers and mall and you can have these great chefs that you work with and great front of the house, but you actually need something to showcase food yeah. <laughs> and showcase it. And really, uh, well, I guess we're going to move on to it in a, in a few questions. But really then the next step for me was to actually learn all this, how to do it, where the best produce comes. And then ultimately do my do the next step being how do we showcase these best farmers, the best meat, but also over the years of work with like Rex Goldsmith down in uh, Chelsea Fishmongers and I uh, met him and he's introduced me to the guys down in Newland and like I kind of you build up your connections, you know what I mean? And then we know the people at Guinness that are going to brew a beer for us. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so kind of like. Kind it's not just like you've sort of met these people and like you let them get on with it. It seems like you have involved yourself. So it's it's not like you have like met this farm. You went to see his farm and, mm-hmm. and that was it. And like okay, yeah, you found this great beef. But actually, you've then involved yourself in the journey. Well, and, I guess yeah, I guess like anything, it's perseverance. Yeah. When you turn up and I, I give Ian Mackay his juries, I love to introduce him to it. Sometime when a twenty-one-year-old turns up to his farm and all and says, "I want to buy a cow." Ninety-nine point nine percent of people would uh, think you're a lunatic, and <laughs> 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 never, uh, and never talk to you again. But he was like, 
yeah, no worries. So uh, you killed the. There's, I've got many a story I could tell you about driving up to Mull and driving down with, with beef and whatnot over the years just to get it. <laughs> You're a big car to fit a whole cow in. <laughs> oh, it's been a it's been a nightmare. But the thing about it is, you've got to you've got to take an amazing product, and it's only amazing product if the people that appreciate it is under their nose. You know what I mean? So I guess over the last six years I've been working as a chef but ultimately on my days off I've been up the road picking up the beef bringing it down to London uh, James George from Turner and George and Richard Turner they've been kind of kind of good because they're massively into it and they were buying it whenever I had it and yeah it's good because you're really taking a good product and I think that's our, our whole ethos and everything that we're going to do in the restaurant whether it be from our coffee program to our uh, to our live music to our whiskey selection to our food to our vegetable menu whatever it is it's just it's just got to be like you know I and mean, you've got to under promise and massively over deliver i guess <laughs> and that's- well, it sounds like you're uh, over promising to start with so let's <laughs> make things hard for yourself here bro yeah yeah we'll see so we've 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 started hinting towards it a lot so let's get on to the restaurant and just tell us tell us what the restaurant's all about then Okay, well, I'll tell you sorry. about two years ago. So up to about two years, uh, I was kind of working throughout London. Uh, opened up some bigger restaurants, smaller restaurants, bit of bit of the old mix and starry vibe in Europe and uh, South America and whatnot. And then I came back to London. And I was like, well, it's times now to do it. So I guess you, after finding investment, you've got to find the site, prop the agents. Uh, we. We found a really cool spot uh, in the Old Tree Roundabout on the city city side, so 70 to 74 City Road. And uh, it's got, it's quite, it's nice. We're going to probably do like a 90 cover restaurant upstairs and a late night bar downstairs. Uh, is we, that just for you or is yeah. that for the yeah, public? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking into the booze license and uh, I found that I had a late night license and it's great because. For one of the, you know, I mean, but it's great because... It's just great. Can you think of a legitimate reason why this is great? It might kill me. No, but really, like, you know when you go out for dinner and you eat a great food, but you're having such a good time and then at 11 o'clock, people... Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, I guess here we... I really want to cook really good food, uh, as good as possible as any place in London, but I want it to be in a, a relaxed environment where people are enjoying it and feel that if they want a lovely steak and a glass of red wine, they can have it. Or if they want to have our 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 like our uh, our vegetable our vegetables cooked over fire, they can have it. And uh, and really with the like having that transition into a nighttime spot, you can actually come out and just have some fun as well. You yeah. can have and uh, so that was a big that was always a big driving force. And then I, and then we were just like thinking about the concept and really whether I like it or not, um, Irish Scottish. My uh, my business partner and head chef is Colin McCary, and he's Irish. Uh, so we came up with calling it after my little sister, and her name's Nula. So uh, so that's the name. N U A L A. And uh, so yeah, so that's it. And I guess it's uh, at the same time, it's an old to live wood fired cooking as well. We have a, we open up at seven a.m. We have a big wood fired oven that we're sourcing from Valencia. Uh, back to there next week to look at that and uh, so just cooking really loads of nice breads and pastries and 
in the morning time with like loads of like cured like cured bellies by the fire and smoked salmon on cedar planks and just like a really nice sort of not out there breakfast menu but just pretty super tasty and then into dinner we've got a bit more starters mains but then also just some like big salads pumpkins cooked in the fire some uh some big stuff to share as well then just some proper saint john desserts too and then i guess into dinner it gets a little bit more maybe a little bit more ruckus <laughs> <laughs> but uh but really just with a real i, I guess I think cooking's one thing. Cooking good food's one thing, but also delivering it in a really nice environment. That actually, if you think about these animals that 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 lived on mole for five years, or the fish that's from uh, that's from Newland direct from the like direct does from the from the day boat, is that you kind of want to celebrate it and you want people to enjoy it, and you don't want the flavours to be too overpowering. You want to taste the process, and you want to taste the the product. And uh, and I guess that's our that's our ethos when it comes to it. And then uh, I guess we've got loads. We've got a big fireplace. We've got a big old Victoriana fireplace that will have loads of old iron work in it. Uh, so that's quite a multifunctional, more asado style setup. Uh, a mix of an of an Argentinian asado with an Irish English sort of country manner <laughs> type of vibe. All these little Jack Russell running around. <laughs> <laughs> And then, so we've got that. Then the next, we've got like sort of four elements in the kitchen. The next element is then aged Tavari style grills, which are, which were taken from Valencia too. And that's like the burnt ends, aged Tavari style. And Amazing. the third element, and that's up and down, but we don't, that's not our burn pit. We then have our our bread oven, which is like our burn pit. We've got a double deck. So one's a burn pit, one's a, like just for cooking and then we'll burn our coals down in there and then when it's nice burnt down we'll take them across and then our last one is our sort of uh, victorian range powered by wood too and then also in this we're gonna we're gonna heat all our hot water and air for the restaurant from this by some wow 21st century techniques and sort of uh very old school cooking methods you know what i mean so yeah, uh, yeah. That's cool. That's super cool. Yeah, we're, we're not very similar, I guess. But my little story to add to this: <laughs> when I when I was younger, we had like a reburn in our house, and that all burnt yeah, yeah. logs and coal yeah, if we wanted to, and that's powered all the heating for our house. So, well, exactly. It's, it's it's kind of old school technology. It's like the back boiler, and it's when you like. I've got this big force as well. When you like, I think in this day, day and age, I don't like any waste. I think it's sort of it's like being in St. John I don't like to waste any food I don't like to waste any energy mm. I don't like to so if you can like if you're burning all this wood and heating all this stuff why not just get it to heat your hot water why yeah. not to get your to heat, to heat your hair <laughs> yeah, so uh, and and then I guess like yeah I guess that's it and then are you going to cool it down it? again <laughs> was that <laughs> well maybe it might be too hot <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's too hot yeah. in here. Well, we'll have to I put know, the fire out on the fridge. You can't eat then, so make your mind up. Do you we'll want food a, or heat? We'll have a, yeah, I know. But yeah, well, I guess that's well, that's where we're at now because I've sort of then gone from chef to butcher and taken on project management uh, and also plumber design, as well. Yeah, and M and E, and I'm like, yeah, you learn quite a lot. You learn quite a lot in the job, but we're getting there. We're nearly. We start building in a couple of weeks and we open in October, middle of October. 
So uh, all fingers crossed now. It's just get it done, get it open, get these guys in for some food, you know? Awesome, yeah. Can't so, wait to come and see it. Well, can't wait awesome. to cook for you. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> so, cool. And you're going to be supplying yourself with meat from your butchers as well? Yeah, well, we our butchers in Scotland is called Torlusk, and that is a coming together of sort of four or five people. Uh, so you've got Ian Mackay, who is 20% of it, and he is like one of the best farmers that I've ever ever had the pleasure of working with and has put up with me. His girlfriend is a, a girl called Claire Suzette, and she is one of the top agricultural students in the UK. We have another farmer who's who's also an owner, because that's what I do. It's nice to have like a, well, I haven't seen that, but he's another owner, and he's in Sterling, and he is more the finishing, so he finishes the animals, and then we have the processing unit and the dry-aging room up there. We have James George, who is uh, he's from Select Meat, so this is he's coming on board just because he just he just loves it. And then there's me, so uh, so that's Torlos Island. And I guess with that, we wanted to really, in a good way, give the middle finger up to the last 50 years of beef production. You know what I mean? Because it's it's all about yield. Farmers don't get rewarded for producing good beef. And uh, so we've set our own grading system. Uh, we look at our own diets, we look at our own yield, and like it's all about beef as it should taste, you know. And it's not—it's not really about whether it's Highland or this or that. Well, it is about that, but ultimately it's about producing super tasty meat. That mm-hmm. is the way it's always been done up to the last sixty years ago. So, uh, and that is going to—that then will supply Nula too with. Uh, with all its meat supplies as well, so uh, kind of nice. <laughs> very, very good. Really impressed. Yeah. So along your journey, you've you've worked with some some amazing chefs, and you've worked in some amazing places along the way, and done some stints here and there. Who who do you, do you find anyone in particular was sort of really instrumental or influential in 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 your in your life in in the way the way yeah, you've no. gone or the direction that you've gone in, in cooking or, or do you find that you've sort of picked up bits from everyone and it's sort of like an amalgamation of of all these other chefs that and a bit of yourself that's all coming through now or yeah no i think definitely i think no matter what whether you like it or not you pick up everything no matter where you do no matter you think you're picking up and sometimes you pick up the most from the place that you don't like as well <laughs> well i won't pry in too <laughs> much yeah. uh, no, no, but no i'm not i'm not saying that but i'm just saying from experience yeah like, but then you actually learn the most from those places too but i i i think this yesterday and i was chatting to my dad and i was like i've actually i don't know how you're doing but i think that i've been super lucky that from the butchery to going to saint john bread and wine and like working with the likes of lee tiernan who's now at black axe man gal and then Mm. Uh, and then going to like you've got like the Kobe Des from a lot who was at Indigo for working for a bit and you and like really when you when you work with these guys it's like I don't I guess if you're if you like to cook you know Mark, you, you want to cook your own food so you don't want to sort of just say oh, I'm just going to steal that and do it of course it's going to influence you in whatever you do but you just see the work ethic from these from, and they just crack on they're there and they and they get it done, and they create a good community, and they actually, like, they're the type of people that you sort of look up to, you know what I mean? And then, so I guess I've been pretty lucky. Uh, I guess when I first wanted to come to London, I, I phoned up Jack, but it wasn't Jack, or she had to pick the phone up, it was a butcher called Paul Gretorex, 
and he was just that old school butcher and he picked the phone up and I was like my name's Niall I'm uh, from Ireland and I want a job <laughs> and, he, uh, yeah. <laughs> and he was like yeah no worries come over so I picked a flight he gave me a trial gave me a job and uh, and I remember everything the first day like they were all speaking in this like language and I had no idea what the hell it was but it was like old school butcher's backslide you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> so I guess there was that, and then that kind of started it. And then I guess on the way between, I'd say, uh, I guess Lee Tiernan, uh working with Nuno Mendes was always quite good fun. Uh, uh, Dave Pint was a massive, massive influence when it came to like, like just cooking proper tasty food. Yeah, still quite technical, but I guess the food that I like to cook now is like, you, I think in this day and age too, people kind of get a bit bored with the technicalities of how you do stuff. You know, I mean, you really want to keep all that chefy stuff behind scenes, and yeah. you want to just deliver like super honest, nice food. That's that's the type of food I want you want to eat. And uh, and then, so yeah, I think I've been I've been lucky enough. And then I guess the last two years, I've just been more out of the chefing game, if I'm honest, keeping my head down, learning more of the business side of it, and then getting to work with. Like two of my, the, the guys that I guess it's not really related to this, but there's guys on the on the Columbo group, and I uh, have a few restaurants, but they're they're Steve, uh, Steve Ball, and Ray, so they're good guys that I work with. And then, so yeah, I think I'm in a in a position now that I'm pretty lucky to have met all these guys along and girls along the, along the way, and that they definitely do influence you, and hopefully in, in a good way. So, uh, so yeah, definitely perfect. And you you also cooked at Meatopia, I think, last year, was it the year before? Yeah, so we did, we did last year, well, I know, I say, I know Richard and James and, all, and Matt, who, uh, who organised it, and uh, last year we did a demonstration with Torlodden, so I brought a whole cow down from Mulls, and uh, we do. cooked up, yep. as you do, <laughs> funny story about that, but maybe not, <laughs> <laughs> but uh Picked in a whole cow, butchered it, went through different cuts. It was pretty tasty. Cooked it up, did some stuff, and then chatted about Torlos Kylan because that was kind of just starting there. We yeah. just did, uh, we just did Meatopia at Guinness, which is quite good fun. Cool. So, so yeah, we just saw about the Meatopia Dublin. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, no worries. So we, it was, it was a good event. It was uh, so Meatopia as a. Uh, probably you know collaborated with Guinness to do an event in the St. James Brewery in the Open Gate Brewery and uh, yeah it was good it was we teamed up with a butcher called Morris Kettle who had some really delicious seven-year-old Galloways that were finished on the brewer's grain the grain the sort of mash that's left over from the Guinness production and uh yeah, so it's pretty tasty meat, if I'm honest. And uh, yeah, so then we all cooked it a different way. There's a few chefs from all over the world. And then, uh, so I guess I tried to, with my dish, I tried to keep it as kind of Irish Irish as possible. <laughs> so we did, uh, we did uh, T-bones. Uh, so we, we took the T-bone section. I don't know if you're, I guess quite a lot of the listeners are aware of that. It's just the... It's the lumbar vertebrae section, just on the back of the animal. And we cut through the fillet, and then we cut through the T-bone, but we don't cut through the sirloin. And then we hang it up, and we temper it quite slowly uh, with a little bit of smoke uh, over, not too much smoke, just a little bit, just over a nice mix of, of oak and ash and apple. 
just sort of just in and we tempered them for about four hours just turning them around 360 in all directions so they come up to just like a hot raw like i got like a 37 38 degrees and then when they're up there we then just butcher them so you're just slicing through the last bit through the sirloin and we then grill them grill them quite hard rest them grill them rest them and uh after about three times like that, they come up to a lovely medium rare, perfectly pink all over, without the grey, without the grey, uh, grey ring. And then we serve them with a sauce of Guinness. So a Guinness saison, a little bit of goat's whey, and some butter and cream. And that was the dish. Absolutely amazing! It's making me so hungry listening to all that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it was good. And then we, a few little last things that we then we use seaweed called dulse or dillisk. So it's kind of like an umami bomb. So we, uh, we, so the, the base of the sauce of the beer, we make a muscle stock from, from, from the beer to add to the goat's whey and the cream. That's what I forgot to say earlier. Then we also soak the dried seaweed in the beer as well. And then we smoke it over the fire and dry it out. So it becomes like a sort of salt powder and we sprinkle that over the steak. And it's uh, yeah, wow. pretty tasty. <laughs> mm. Did 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 anyone did the like the butcher notice any difference finishing it on the uh, on the Guinness hops or anything or or? Well, it just yeah, no, it, it gives it it does give it a bit more creaminess. I guess it's just like finish it on a on a grain. Uh, I wouldn't. I'm not an advocate of grain finishing at all. I actually completely hate it if I'm honest. But uh, when you have a nice when you have an animal at six or, or five or six or seven years old and it's had a life full of grass uh giving it like a little bit more of a of a carb like a like a brewer's grain or a or a rolled oats or something like that for the last anywhere like 60 70 80 days it just gives the meat just a tiny bit more creaminess and i kind of like that if i'm honest because in that fat if you give it that creaminess in it, the the fat sort of transports the flavor of the beef as well in your mouth so uh, yeah i was super awesome. super impressed yeah it was really tasty quite quite busy but it was good fun yeah, awesome. <laughs> you, is that yeah. going to be a, a, a like a regular event now for meatopia uh, i don't really know actually uh i just they asked me meatopia asked me to do it because i guess i'm pretty much irish 80 well, percent irish yes and then uh uh, I was kind of just like kind of happy to be part of it because nice to do something in Ireland and all my family came down. It's also nice to do something with Guinness. Yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> Guinness, yeah, if I get the brewery, <laughs> <laughs> they're good. I was really quite impressed with them. They're good, uh, good guys, good fun, and they made loads of beers to go with the the Guinness. There is kind of next level, if I'm honest. But then they made three or four different beers, and then they teamed up with uh, Forty Foot Brewery in Dalston, who are my favourite brewery in London. Uh, they teamed up with them, and there was a nice selection of different beers with the different dishes, and it was pretty, pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, sounds good. Is that uh, is that a, like really a thing? Like people said to me before, like Guinness in Ireland tastes better in Ireland. Is that is it? Is it are yeah, shipping no, us out sub quality stuff, or is well, it? Well, <laughs> we're kind of. Well, I'd say we're working with Guinness. Well. Uh, what well we are, I guess, as I can say, it we're working with Guinness at Nilla, Nilla's bar, to uh, have the best pint of Guinness outside of Ireland. <laughs> Perfect. So if you so, want a proper uh, pint, come to you. <laughs> <laughs> if you want a proper pint, come for other dinner, then go downstairs to the bar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's mad because it tastes great in Dublin, and then once you go to the brewery, it's just so fresh. It's like they pretty much brew it and serve it the next day. 
and it's just kind of like, and it's not too creamy. I don't know if it makes sense, but it's not as creamy as I think you get it in pubs. Yeah. And it was just like unbelievable. Lovely. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Right, we're going to stop it there, mate, because I think we've been talking to you long enough Shatting. to let you get back, get back on. <laughs> um, we definitely want to get you back on in the future once you've got the restaurant yeah, open. Definitely. We can chat about definitely. that. So, By all means, to... I'd love to have you both and the listeners. Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely be there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, do you want to just remind everyone where they can find you on social media and stuff? Uh, so we open, well, my name's Al Benson. Uh, we open Nula Restaurant uh, in October. So it's Nula London. Uh, N-U-A-L-A or actually sorry Nula Restaurant and Nula Bar N-U-A-L-A B-A-R or Nula Restaurant and that's the our handles for mm-hmm. the restaurant and bar and we open in October end of October so hopefully uh, we'll have you all in to eat awesome cool and drink and have fun <laughs> awesome well good luck with it mate and we'll see you soon no worries brilliant cheers. and I'll chat to you soon yeah. thanks brother bye, bye. cheers cheers bye, bro. bye. 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 You're listening to your United Q podcast. We're brought to you by ProQ, Barbecue Gourmet, Kamado Joe, and Smokewood Shack, our awesome sponsors. ProQ provide quality smoking products with top notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. And you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. Barbecue Gourmet, supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning rubs, sauces, marinades, and accessories from the US and around the world. You can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. Kamado Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation. From smoking, roasting, or searing, get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check out commandojoe.co.uk plus Facebook and Twitter. Smokewood Shack delivers quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoky goodness, you provide the talent. Whether it's smoking wood chunks, dust, chips or planks, you can find them at smokewoodshack.com. And you can find them on Twitter at smokewoodshack.com.